Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I've said this before, but every now and then, you know, something will kind of come out. It'll be like a little video clip or something like that, and I'll be left to conclude that, man, sometimes it just sort of looks like playing football for Georgia just seems about the most fun you could ever possibly have. And I listen, I, I totally realize it's not always fun. It's, you know, oftentimes very, very challenging. In fact, as I'm speaking right now, we're sort of in that time of year in which there is very little glitz and glamour about being a Georgia football player. You're kind of starting those winter workouts. You're doing some of that conditioning stuff. You're kind of creating the the sort of body type that allows you to have the kind of success that Georgia's had in each of the last two falls. So I realize that right now, if a Georgia football player were to uh, to hear me say what I'm saying, they'd probably laugh and say, why don't you come try to do what I'm doing right now and then see how much fun you think it is being a part of this football team after that. I totally understand that it's not all glamorous and it's not all enjoyable. And yeah, but the thing that I think sometimes comes across as like really fun to me, though, are the ways in which players and coaches just sort of bond together with the locker room. That, that kind of that team idea, you know, when you're young, you're on a lot of teams. You know, you're you know, a kid in school, you got your you know, youth league baseball team, you eventually get in high school, you got high school teams there. And it just sort of feels like there's always some sort of team. In fact, a lot of you kind of move from one season to the next, year after year after year, and you're sort of always on a team. But there comes time in life when all of a sudden you're not really on a team anymore. You've sort of graduated from that part of life. And I think that once you're no longer on a team, I think you look back on it. And you think, man, being actually a part of a team is just like a really, really special thing, especially the kind of uh, intense bond that a team like Georgia has. And the one thing that we know, it's not just the coaches who said this, the players themselves have said this too, that one of the things that has really contributed to the success that Georgia has enjoyed is that level of connection that they all had with each other. They have talked a lot about why it is they play football and understanding that about each other has allowed them to I think enjoy playing with each other in many cases playing for each other that's kind of a secret sauce for Georgia and the success they've enjoyed here over the course of the uh, last couple of years and the fact that just so many players want to keep being a part of this because that's all obviously a big part of this too is when it comes to the sort of recruiting success you have to have to have the on-field success possible you've got to create the kind of environment that players willingly eagerly volunteer to want to be a part of and so creating the kind of sort of contagious enthusiasm that that good teams seem to have that's a big part of what makes Georgia Georgia and every now and then we kind of get a nice glimpse into that and you know we're, we're lucky because the stuff that's like press conference and, you know, the stuff that's sort of made for TV, oftentimes that's a little bit more, I don't know what the word is, a little bit, a little bit more stiff, a little bit more mechanical. You don't really get the real version of Georgia in, in something like that. But there was a video I came across, and honestly, I'm not really quite so sure where this originally came from, but it's a video I came across of Kirby Smart in the locker room after the TCU game. And this is one of those things where, you know, I hope that we're all taking some of that time to just sort of appreciate what Georgia has done. Back-to-back national championships. Yeah, the future may be really bright, and we'll get to that here in a moment. But, man, what Georgia has done is in itself like really, really special. And so, you know, go out and find these things and, and, and you know, these opportunities to kind of relive 
what was really a magical night and kind of the punctuation mark to a really magical season. And when you think about the players who were here that are no longer going to be here, in a lot of ways, kind of a magical era, not the end of the era in terms of the fact that Georgia's not going to be winning anymore, but the end of the era in terms of the fact there's some players we've been watching here for Georgia over the course of the last couple of years, and some of them are now gone. So taking some time here during this offseason to go back and fully appreciate all that and relive through that, I just think that's an appropriate thing to do in the sense that I get from talking to many of you is, that is something that you very much do enjoy doing. So you may have already seen this, heard this. This was a little bit new for me. I think it's been out there for a couple of days now. Kirby Smart speaking to his team in the locker room in kind of that sort of, you know, kind of perfect postseason celebration type moment. This isn't the fiery Kirby Smart's pregame locker room speeches that we sometimes hear. This is the little bit more relaxed, a little bit happier version of Kirby after all the hay was in the barn. And in the midst of this, one of the things you're going to hear eventually is, I think, a really good challenge for Georgia going forward. But before we kind of get to that, also just take some time to appreciate Georgia patting itself on the back, justifiably so, for what it was able to do against TCU and what it was able to do in capping off a perfect 15-0 season. This is great from Kirby. Uh, it's been on the internet a little bit this week. I want to give you a little bit of a listen to this right now as a way of setting us up for a conversation here today. Here is Kirby. Total team effort. Now, when you talk about defense going out, first drive, stop, offense, relentless. I got to say it one time, though. I got to say it one time. Total yards. Offense. 590 yards. Hell of a job. Wouldn't have been possible without the following people in this room. I want to say a special thanks to our seniors. Let's give them three. I don't know that I've been around a group like that. I don't even know the records you have. Winning this group, two national championships, you played through a COVID year, you didn't get extra games. I don't know I don't know that anybody can break their record except the next group of seniors. You understand what I'm saying? Chris Smith came to me on stage and said, Coach, you've got to win it next year without us. This is the last time this team will be together. And I say it every time, win, lose, or draw. There's not a coach on our staff, not a person in our organization that will not help you. If your last game was tonight, we will help you any way possible to be successful in life. I don't want you to ever feel like you got your back turned on and we can't help you. We will do something to help you. When your career ends, we will help you. So make sure you understand that, okay? Respect the game and respect what you guys did. Nobody's ever done what you just did. Nobody at CFP era has ever done what you've done. And now you've got a chance to do something even more special. Let's go. Yeah. So let me tell you what I like about that. It's really two completely different things. And, you know, we're going to get to the fun part maybe in a moment. But let me just sort of say this to begin with. This is probably a bigger word than I should use. But to me, this is a little bit of like a distillation of everything that sort of makes Georgia, Georgia. Because here's the one thing, I, if you really listen carefully to Kirby Smart and his words there, here's the one thing I think you can sort of hear. This is 15-0, and perfect season, national championship. As Kirby Smart said in the college football playoff era, no one has done what these Georgia players have done. This is as happy as it gets in a locker room. But do you notice this? And if you listen carefully, I think you can hear it. There's a little bit of bittersweet feeling in the air because ultimately it's the also the realization of not only, hey, mission accomplished, go for two and 22. Uh, Georgia got its second straight national championship, back to back dog national champions. It's all of that, but it's also the bittersweet feeling of the realization that, oh gosh, these players will never play together again that this team will never be together in this moment like this ever again. And that's kind of what makes Georgia, Georgia. That really is 
there is more at stake here than just winning the games because if all it is is winning games and winning championships and all that kind of stuff that eventually as crazy as this sounds eventually that kind of becomes a little bit of a hollow achievement you're left to wonder well you know what's the trophy really worth and what's the success really worth if all it is is one more thing to win and one more thing to do and one more box to check that eventually you can sort of go crazy with that because it doesn't end up maybe feeling like it's supposed to feel like meaning what it's supposed to mean to you and yet for these Georgia players that the the act of playing with each other is what it ultimately is about when you really enjoy playing with the guys that you're playing with and, 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 you know, coaches and players being together, that if you really enjoy that part of this, then eventually maybe the winning takes care of itself. But, but for the, for this team itself, it was about more than just collecting that trophy or as Karis Jackson was fond of saying, putting numbers on the wall, that it really was about the act of doing all of this with each other. And you got the sense that Kirby smart in that moment, truly appreciate that, that, Hey, this team is, is getting ready to, say goodbye and not be in this locker room together in this same way anytime in the future and I just think that's a really kind of a nice thing to consider how seriously they took the idea of connection and how real that was to all of them and I don't think you can hear those words from uh from Kirby Smart without realizing just how true that really is then on the other part of this how much fun is it and this is one of the things that I think has really been kind of cool about this year. And, and this, uh, this is one of those things where you sort of have to get Kirby Smart kind of away from the regular press conference world to sort of hear this from time to time. But whether it be the interview that he did in SportsCenter back in November or some of the stuff here right now, this team is openly willing to discuss among itself some very big goals and some very ideas, so some very big ideas that when you've had the kind of success they had had, the idea of dreaming about even bigger success, even longer range success, it just seems like a very realistic possibility. And for Georgia fans, and listen, so many of you all the time are talking to me about, hey, B.A., we're going to go for three. Well, yeah, of course Georgia's going to go for three. I mean, I mean, listen, I'm all about kind of trying to celebrate and appreciate what Georgia's done right now. But you better believe eventually we're going to get to the idea of go for three in 23 and the fact that Georgia very realistically could do that. And for Georgia fans who already kind of think about that as a really fun possibility and a really fun idea, how much do you love the fact that Christopher Smith, who was such a big part of what Georgia did here this year, you heard Kirby Smart in his own words right there say that Smith was already on the field there at SoFi Stadium as the confetti's raining down and the championship celebration's taking place, that Christopher Smith's looking at Kirby Smart and saying, hey, y'all got to go back and do this again. We're not going to be here next year. You got to go out there and do this again. And Kirby Smart, in his own way, was kind of challenging those Georgia seniors who were stepping up for 2023. In a lot of ways, this is really the first challenge he's giving to that group for next season, saying, hey, this is the most decorated, most accomplished senior class of all time. But you guys have a chance to also add to that. You guys have a chance to also leave your own mark there as well. And as you start moving towards spring practice and all the things that are coming up after that, you're going to hear more of that. Now, you're not going to hear them talk about the national championship. Uh, that won't be happening again for quite some time. But in this particular moment, while the confetti is raining down, while the trophy is right there in their hands, they are a little bit more willing to talk about that. They are a little bit more willing to dream big that as this team goes to work here this year, as they do the winter workouts right now, as they do the conditioning work, as they lay the groundwork for it'll eventually become spring practice later on in March, and then G-Day after that, and then summer stuff after that, and then the kickoff to the 2023 season after that, that this team does all of that with a very, very big idea in mind. That a team that's already in many respects made history, back-to-back national champions, the only time that's happened in the college football playoff era, 
all of a sudden really could come back and win a third straight national championship here this year. And there's really nothing in modern times that matches that at all. Now, along the way, there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some adversity. There's lots of preseason number one teams that, for whatever reason, don't finish that way. You've heard me say it before. The college football is very easy to project, but often very difficult to predict. In other words, we can look on paper and see, obviously, who the preseason number one is supposed to be. It looks like Georgia this year. It's looked like other teams in the past. But finishing there has proven not to be a very easy task for anyone, and I don't know that it gets any easier for Georgia just because they've got the last two national championships in their back pocket. But it is a realistic idea. It is a possible idea, and they were already talking about it right there in Los Angeles. Kirby Smart saying to those seniors, this is the most decorated class of all time, but you guys have a chance to go out and do more. Christopher Smith, one of the great seniors on this team for 2022, saying, hey, y'all got to go out there and do it without us next year well you better believe that's exactly what george is going to try to do and after what we've seen would anybody say they couldn't go out and make exactly that happen my name's brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans we're presented today by meriwether and tharp and happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch we start even earlier than that at 9 45 on our first and 15 there on dognation.com the dog nation app just really really happy to have you with us uh no matter how you get to us radio as well at noon on athens sports radio 960 the rev as a podcast apple spotify everything else in between we love all those podcast platforms there as well and are so thankful for those of you who've tuned in all all the years we've been on the podcast for a lot longer than we've been on anything else and so we're thankful that you tune in via podcast or however you choose to get to us also a big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making this show possible here today. And Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. And I realize that, that uh, we mentioned the word divorce. That is a scary, that is a confusing word. It is not an emotionally neutral word for a lot of people because it either brings up a bad memory from your recent past or it creates some anxiety about what you might think is in your near future. And I get that. I understand that. Like the one thing that we try not to do on this show is ignore what reality is and what real life might be for some of you, especially in an audience the size of ours. Statistically speaking, a lot of you are either considering divorce or in the midst of that. You know, maybe you've just gone through it, whatever else. And as you've maybe heard me say before, if I could make all of that disappear for you, I literally would because it is a very, very painful thing. And I take all that really, really seriously. But since I can't do that, what I can do is maybe the next best thing for you which is suggest how you can set yourself up to make great decisions through all of this. Because ultimately what this is about is about looking forward to the next season of your life and how you get happiness there. And what you do now sets you up for the happiness you can enjoy in that next season of your life. And understanding how the law works in a situation like this and how it can be leveraged to your benefit is a big part of that. So my invitation to you is to check out our friends at uh, Meriwether and Tharp. That's the, the Atlanta divorce team.com. That's the website, the Atlanta divorce team.com. We say this a lot. They're your source for Georgia divorce. Now, what that means is, is that when it comes to your situation, how divorce impacts you, your finances, the relationship you have, with your children and all kinds of other, maybe complicated issues that kind of flow uh, downstream from all of this. The law can be very, very specific and understanding how all that works and how that can be leveraged to your benefit is a big part of this. And so the folks at Meriwether and Tharp want to help explain that to you and sort of put you on a path towards a more successful outcome. So some of this starts with free resources like blog posts and podcasts and things like that. So if you'll just sort of check out that website, you'll, I think you'll be set up with 
a way to get the information you need to ask great questions when you have that free initial consultation with one of their attorneys. Then after that, you make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp to kind of walk with you as an advocate through this divorce process. Once again, the website, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's theatlantadivorceteam.com. That'll get you in touch with Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. So make sure you check them out online today. All right, we're going to check out Terrence Edwards coming up here in a little bit. We'll talk to the great former Georgia wide receiver about a wide-ranging list of topics. Looking forward to getting ready to do that. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at ServePro. And I think it's really interesting the way in which Stetson Bennett seems to be evolving as an NFL draft prospect uh, now that his career at Georgia is done. And listen, a lot of this is just a testament to Bennett himself, but some of this, I think, could also be a very big deal for, for Georgia as well. Um, you know, I saw where Mel Kuyper, I'll, I'll show this to you on the screen here for a moment. Mel Kuyper is apparently out there right now saying that Stetson Bennett could be drafted as high as the third round uh, coming up here this year. Let me show you the uh, quote specifically from uh, Mel Kuyper on this. Our friends at On3 uh, had this. They said that Stetson Bennett, to me, will probably end up being about a third-round draft choice. That's Mel Kuyper Jr., the longtime ESPN NFL draft analyst, weighing in on Stetson Bennett on all of that. Now, what's interesting here is, and I don't have to tell you this, many of you are aware, that while you know this may not sound like that big of a deal necessarily, a lot of you know it has been a long time since Georgia has had a quarterback that has gone this high in the NFL draft, far de- uh, predating Kirby Smart and all of this, that the quarterback position has just not really been one of those spots at Georgia for quite some time, which the program has really kind of had that sort of, you know, even, even third-round level success, sort of front end of the NFL draft uh, type success. That's just not quite what Georgia has had. So if Bennett could really break through that way, you know, putting aside for the fact that, you know, by now it's been well chronicled how no one would have expected this of Stetson Bennett, the former walk-on, who even kind of lost, you know, his spot here at Georgia, had to go to junior college and kind of worked his way back, was sort of told he'd never have a chance to compete for the starting job. By now it is well chronicled all of the naysayers that Bennett has silenced throughout his college career on the way to the success that he's had. Let's just push all that aside for a moment. This is obviously a a great testament to what Bennett's been able to persevere, what he's been able to do. But putting that part of the story aside, let's just say that after two straight national championships and an offense with Todd Munkin that works the the way that it does, let's say that Georgia really is able to kind of produce that sort of third-round quarterback talent kind of breaking through a glass ceiling that had sort of existed for this position in the past here at UGA. All of a sudden, I think you start to look at the sky really being – truly the limit here for this Georgia program because the one thing that we know is you go back and look at whether it be the 15 players drafted last year the the five in particular off the defense in the first round is that Kirby Smart is completely completely vanquishing whatever negative recruiting fodder seemed to exist around this program you know at one point time this team had also had a big drought with defensive linemen being drafted uh, near the front end of the draft. That was the kind of thing that I think had been negative recruiting fodder against Georgia. Well, that was no longer true after last year because Trayvon Walker was number one overall pick. Jordan Davis was a first-rounder. Devontae Wyatt was a first-rounder. And all of a sudden, that was a box that was checked. The same way that you know defensive secondary stuff had been checked off. You know, Quay Walker became a first-round pick. Kirby Smart actually had a really good uh, comment about that when he was on that Ernie Johnson, Charles Barkley podcast interview thing the other day talking about how you know at one point in time Quay Walker wanted to transfer out of the program 
And Kirby Smart really challenged him to say, no, if you stay here, you're going to eventually become a first-round pick. And that's exactly what Walker did. And Walker since then has given Kirby Smart a lot of credit for that. That's an example of one of those boxes that George has checked. Did you see that Roquan Smith just got a huge contract, like a $100 million type contract for the kind of inside linebacker play that typically the NFL doesn't reward with that kind of financial uh, you know, benefits, but uh, obviously that's what Roquan Smith has been able to do. That's part of the machine that Georgia has put together. And, you know, year after year after year, whether it be draft or contract, whatever else, you see the the impact that the that, that Georgia as a developmental machine is having on guys there in the NFL. And if a guy like Bennett were really to kind of take the step that, um, that uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. is talking about here, then all of a sudden you're talking about that stuff even happening happening now on the other side of the ball. And really there'd be nothing from stopping Georgia from being just as good offensively as it had been on defense. And obviously the results on the field would suggest over the course of the last couple of years that's exactly what Georgia's on its way to being able to do. So with that in mind, uh, Kuiper goes on first take or one of those shows, whichever one it was, kind of going into a little bit more detail about kind of how he views Bennett as a prospect here and as I said before, as Bennett continues to impress guys like Kuyper, these other draft scouts, the actual personnel men who make these decisions, uh, that could have strong reverberations here for UGA in the future of his quarterback spot there as well. So let me let you hear Mel Kuyper talking more about his evaluation of Stetson Bennett as a draft prospect. Here's Kuyper from ESPN. Interesting guy. Uh, nobody can really give you any co- any answer on Stetson Bennett except that, hey, if Bryce Young's going to go in the top five, where's Stetson Bennett going to fall? This guy wins games. He's a gutty competitor. He had guys leaving that program after last year. This year, no fallback. Uh, he didn't have all the pieces he had back in 2021 this season, yet he still leads his team to a national title. Uh, I think when you look at that next tier, Jake Hayner from Fresno State's another guy. Doesn't have the great size, but all he's does is win. Uh, he'll draw comparisons, guys. You want to come to Drew Brees, throw that out. Doesn't mean anything because we're always going to look at that six-foot quarterback and say if he's accurate, he's Drew Brees. So for me, Jake Hayner, Stetson Bennett are in that next tier of quarterback. And then that same clip, he kind of goes on to talk about, uh, you know, the kind of the next Brock Purdy type thing. We're seeing, obviously, Purdy, a guy who didn't have the draft credentials, who's gone on to great success with the San Francisco 49ers. A lot of folks are kind of wondering, what does that mean that, you know, Bennett could be sort of the next version of all of that? And all likelihood he could be drafted much higher than that. So the point here is a couple of fold here. Obviously, Stetson Bennett now being treated like the kind of quarterback who had the success that Bennett had. I think for a while, people were probably overlooking the fact that Bennett was winning these games head to head. As Mel Kuyper said, beating Bryce Young head to head, you know, beating CJ Stroud head to head, beating Hinn and Hooker head to head, beating Will Levis is going to be drafted like number one overall, I guess, beating him a couple of times. And, you know, the 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 success is there. And Mel Kuyper says, listen, for a guy who's doing what he's doing in big games, for a guy who's done what he's done head to head against these quarterbacks the NFL draft scouts seems to love, then maybe they ought to love Stetson Bennett there as well, and maybe that's exactly what they're doing. So that's great for Bennett, a great testament to how he's grown as a prospect here over the course of the last couple of years. But as we said before, maybe also a little bit of a demonstration of that final frontier for Georgia too, a program that has not really had the kind of quarterback success in the NFL draft like this in quite some time. You know, maybe Bennett could kind of break through that a little bit, setting the stage for other quarterbacks to break through that even more in the years to come. And, you know, maybe looking ahead to the future, you'll see a Georgia offense that's just as respected as Georgia defense as probably it should have been all along anyway. That is Around the Doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at ServePro. 
And listen, Serve Pro steps up for you at a time in which you really, really probably need some help. I'm talking about you're seeing damage around your house, fire damage, water intrusion. This is all really serious, but it also kind of creates a little bit of an emotional response there as well, because when it's the the home you love or the business that provides for your family and you see it all messed up because of a water pipe that burst or like, you know, some sort of fire thing that uh, got out of control or whatever else, you know, you're left to wonder, can this ever look right again? Can this ever be the way that it's supposed to be again? Can this ever be all put back together again? Well, our friends at ServPro, that's what they are all about. They are restoration specialists. What they what that means is is they want to clean your mess up like it never and leave it like it never even happened. You know, really kind of getting it back as to the way that it was before. And uh, that's what they're known for. That's why they're called restoration specialists. So you can find them online at servpro.com. That's servpro.com and they'll give you, you know, all the information that you need about what it is that they're able to do for you for whatever damage situation you might have, fire, water intrusion, whatever else. Every ServPro franchise is also independently owned and operated there as well, which means you're doing business with someone who's got a stake in the outcome just like you do. So find out more online, servpro.com. That's servpro.com for a lot more on that. All right, so we have a very important update to give you in a moment about the idea, the possibility that Dan Mullen could be the next Alabama offensive coordinator. Big new information on this, maybe putting that rumor to bed once and for all. We'll get to that here coming up in just a, a little bit. But for now, on everything around the Georgia Bulldogs, including exactly what kind of NFL prospect a guy like uh, Stetson Bennett could be. Let's talk about all of that right now with Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Glad to have him and all of you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Let's say hello to Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Always great to get a chance to talk to him. Terrence, what kind of pro prospect do you think Stetson Bennett is? Um, honestly, before this year, I didn't think he would have a – a shot to get drafted, and now just reading some of the tea leaves, seems like he's going to be an interesting prospect. You know, I was thinking about it myself the other day, and like we all know, it's the if he gets into the right situation, he can have a successful career. And there's one destination or that kind of that that coaching style I think fits him. And the Forty ers with Kyle Shanahan's with all the bootlegs and misdirections where he, do, he does not have to stand in the pocket and throw in that platform, I think he can, he can play in that type of system. If, if you try to get him to just drop back from the pocket and just throw it from the pocket, I don't know. But if you get a team that, that bootlegs a lot, do a lot of misdirections, I think he can play in the NFL. I think that's a really interesting comparison. Obviously, you see some of the stuff that Brock Purdy's doing right now, and I think – that that maybe the presence of Purdy in the conference championship weekend maybe that bodes well for what you know Bennett could uh, be and how he's viewed by some of these NFL draft scouts. And here's the other thing too, and I think Terrence, you kind of touched on this, is that if you look at the last couple of years for Stetson, it's one of those things where hey, you know Stetson played pretty well today, and or you know Stetson had a you know pretty good game today, and yet as more and more of those good games got compiled along with what he'd already done all of a sudden you realize, wow, this has actually added up to a phenomenal career. And that in the sort of head-to-head battle that does go on with quarterbacks, all of a sudden Stetson's won a lot of those games. He beat Hooker this year. He's beaten Will Levis a couple of times. He beat Bryce Young last 
January, uh, you know, in the shootout with C.J. Stroud, for as, for as good as Stroud was against Ohio, for Ohio State against Georgia, and he was amazing, the actual numbers for Stetson Bennett compare really favorably and really well alongside what C.J. Stroud did in that game earlier this year and obviously, you know, got, you know, by far the best of Max Duggan in the national championship. And I think what this ultimately comes down to is, and maybe, you know, maybe there's some surprise in the fact that we're having this discussion, but one way or another is if you have these kind of big game performances, if you're getting the best of these quarterbacks who don't seem to have any questions about their draft status whatsoever, then maybe Bennett should be getting the benefit of the drought from some of these NFL personnel men himself. I think so. I think he's definitely – you know, beat some of the top draft picks that's going to be drafted in next April's uh, draft. And, uh, you know, one of the things that kept coming back to my mind about Stetson and in his career, I think, you know, in the the uh, 2022 season, I think a lot of people and the coaching staff was, Stetson, let's not lose the game because of the great defense we had. But this year it was Stetson go win the game. So it was totally two different Stetsons. Like, yes, and it was, we got this great defense, so let's not put him in predicament to lose the game. And I think this year, you got to give it to him. It was Stetson, go win the game. And the coaches, you know, was comfortable with Stetson. You can see that just from the numbers of attempts that they allowed him to throw the ball this year compared to last year. And as I kind of mentioned before you joined us too, uh, Terrence, there's an interesting – I guess evolution here for George and all this too, because you know, kind of people think of Kirby Smart or this defensive-minded coach or whatever else. Uh, obviously, the offense has had great success the last couple of years, but the program that Kirby inherited at Georgia had not exactly had you know great NFL draft success for quarterback for wide receiver really for quite some time before Kirby got here. And all of a sudden, you see as the Kirby program takes its full roots and as all of this kind of comes together here. All of a sudden, Georgia's starting to have the sort of offensive success with the possibility that the quarterback could be drafted as high as Mel Kiper says he could be drafted, the kind of thing we haven't seen Georgia quarterbacks do much of in, in, in recent years prior to that, that, that all of a sudden you kind of have this situation where, hey, you know, you know, Georgia could be on the verge of having as much NFL draft success on offense as it has on defense. And what Bennett is this year, maybe future quarterbacks are drafted even higher than that. Obviously, we would expect a guy like Brock Bowers to eventually – uh, be drafted very high. Other wide receivers may eventually kind of break through here too. And that, in a lot of ways, this may represent the start of Georgia kind of crossing that final frontier in terms of putting as many players into the NFL on the offensive side as they have on the defensive side now for quite some time. Yeah, I think so. And I think the biggest thing that um, that Kirby took away from his days at Alabama is just the type of players that you need to have a – a program like Georgia's and like Alabama's. And, you know, Kirby's witnessed the Jerry Judas and the Devontae Smith, so he understands what it, the offense's explosion look like. And I've had many conversations with him about that. Is you've got to have these explosive receivers on the outside in today's game. Yes, we have the historic defense, but you also have to have an explosive offense to compete. In today's game, man, I think Kirby, that's one of the things that he truly understood about his time at Alabama is you've got to be able to score points to win games. And now he's identifying those type players that he's seen up close. Now he's bringing those players to Georgia. That's exactly right. So when you move on to what Georgia now has left, the quarterback spot and kind of the post-Stetson Bennett era, 
we're obviously going to spend a lot of time, I'm sure in the weeks and months to come, debating Carson Beck and Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandegrift and how these guys fit into a quarterback competition against each other. You know, you know, Terrence, what matters to you in all of this, whether it be, you know, putting on your coach hat or putting on your former wide receiver hat? You know, what do you want to see? What do you want to hear about these quarterbacks as they go into the process of trying to earn the right to follow in Stetson Bennett's footsteps as the starting quarterback on this team? What do you want to see from these guys in this moment in time? I, I just want to see, because we all know, let's, all three of the guys that's going to be competing, they're big, they're, they have strong arms, they're, they're very talented. Um, but I really want what I want to see who could who takes control of the team. One thing that the team said about Stetson, or you can see the team loves Stetson, and those guys will play for Stetson. You just can see the love that they have for him, and he took control of that team. So I'm waiting to see which quarterback, because I know they all can make all the throws. They've been in the system now for a few years. Carson Beck is probably going to have the, the first shot at being the guy, but can you galvanize the team and the team play for you? That's the biggest thing that I want to see, and that's probably not going to you know, happen in the spring. That's probably going to happen when things are not looking great. If the team rallies around the quarterback, that's how I know that the teams respect the guy at the quarterback position. We all know that's probably the most important position on the football field, and when a team galvanizes around the quarterback, that quarterback has his team. We talked to Jake Fromm about this the other day, that obviously that means the team, I'm guessing, wants to see that confidence from the quarterback, and yet if you try to put on, I guess, a fake version of that and kind of an inauthentic version of that confidence, that they'll sort of see right through that, that'll be a huge turnoff, that projecting the right demeanor you know, as a quarterback to the team, that's one of those things that's maybe sometimes easier said than done, that you've got to be comfortable in your own skin, you got to have confidence, but you can't be faking it, right? Right, you're right. you got to be you. The team and the, everybody will realize that, you know, Stetson is Stetson. Uh, you cannot emulate Stetson Bennett because Stetson is who he is. Be you. Do what you have done throughout your whole football career. All these guys were highly talented highly recruited, and for whatever reason, you earned a right to be here. Be you, whatever that is. And if the team, you win the team over, you will win the team over. But they would definitely see if it's fake um, and it's not real. I meant to ask this to you a moment ago, and I just forgot to. So I'm going to backtrack here a little bit. Uh, on the subject of quarterbacks, Stetson Bennett and his draft status, we've also learned that he's not going to be going to the Senior Bowl in Mobile. How big of a deal of that is that for you in terms of that one extra opportunity to kind of evaluate him as a prospect? Uh, do you care about Stetson being at the Senior Bowl? I would love to see him at the Senior Bowl just to uh, – for everyone to to get eyes on him, you know, I went to the Senior Bowl and it's, it it is a very intimidating at mm-hmm. times uh, situation. You know, every NFL scout is there. So, uh, some biggest things right now is is not his game. Uh, just like Bryce Young, you're not going to be able to grow overnight. So, the knock on on Stetson right now is just his height. I think that's going to be his height. His game right now, everybody can see that he has the game. To play, like I said last year, there was a lot of questions because we didn't ask him to do a lot. We asked him to to win games, 
to not lose games. This year we asked Stetson to go win games, and he put us on his back and showed the world that he could play this position just as well as those other guys. And you can watch him head-to-head play against some of the guys that are projected to go in the first round in the first ten picks. I play them, play with them. Um, he just is not the 6'2 to 3, 215-pound quarterback. And in today's game, you're seeing a lot of smallest quarterback has success. So that I would love to see him go, but what are you going to see there? Is He's still going to be 5'11", 5'11". You know, almost six feet, 190 pounds. That is not going to change. We'll kind of finish up with this. Georgia got some good news also in the person of Cedric Vaughn, Prime Granger coming back to uh, be the center again for next year's team. This would seem to be, I think, good news if you're Georgia quarterback, knowing that as you try to get acclimated into a new role as a starter, you've got the center in front of you who's already been doing this for multiple years. I think it's good for the other offensive linemen because it gives them someone to lean on to and kind of keep that cohesion strong between that front group up five, uh, or should say that front five, that, that that group up front with the front five there, how big of a deal is it for you to have Cedric Von Prine now coming back for Georgia? I think that's big. That that is that is that is big too. We will break in two new starting tackles, um, and those tackle positions is is very important. So now when you have your anchor there in the line, now he's the the, the leader of the team. With, with Stetson gone, it's, the center is just as important as the quarterback. Yes, he does not get the Heisman vote. He does not get the, the TV commercials. But having a, a true center that understands all the adjustments that the quarterback has, and you have a guy that has started for three years now, that is very big for a quarterback that's break, that we're breaking in that's, that's new to being a starter. So when you have a guy that understands SEC football and a guy that has not been a starter, you can lean on the center to make the proper calls, especially to get the line adjusted to where it needs to be adjusted to. So that is that is big to have him back, especially when we're breaking in a new quarterback and a couple of new offensive linemen. That's exactly right. Before I let you go, I thought they had a great tweet the other day. I, was, I should have this on the screen, but I don't have it. Uh, you really kind of shouting out some of those young newcomers that Georgia has on that defensive front, Jordan Hall and Damon Wilson and those guys. Uh, it seems like you're pretty excited about what Georgia has coming up front uh, defensively here, Terrence. Oh, I, I am. I'm very. And I said along with the young pups that we have with Bear and Mikhail and uh, Marvin, uh, we, 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 you know, I beat my chest this year. Like, can we get pressure without yeah. pressing? Because we, we just sometimes we just need that front four to, to get some pressure. And I think when Nolan Smith went down, that kind of hurt the, just the pure pass rush that we, we should be able to get. And I just – I love this group as a whole, and I didn't put Gabe Harris up there, sure. and I apologize to him, but I like him as well. I just like the 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 core of athleticism that these guys have. I mean, we got the we got Big Jamal, who's going to be the anchor at, at that zero technique that knows the Hall kid is 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 going to be absolutely, I think, a monster. And he's got two guys, like, three guys, I think, in this class that be able to pass rush. Yeah. Uh, if you watch uh, Gabe, uh, Wilson, Sim, and those guys just have a burst that we haven't had on the edge in a while. And you, you pair those up with the young guys that play meaningful snaps this year, man, I just think that is a group as a whole that we haven't seen. Um, and we have the best developer 
um, in Trey Scott and, and Shumi. We have the best developer of D linemen in the country. And, and I playfully tweeted yesterday that in the first few years, everyone was ready to fire Trey Scott, yeah. Coach Scott. And I think he is one of the best coaches out there right now developing players. And why wouldn't you want to come and be a part of that? And we got some guys that I, I truly believe could be instant impact players on the defense side of the ball no it's fun to think about uh terrence that's great stuff and i appreciate you sharing your insight there on that i also know that bubble work is busy and going on right now a lot of uh, pass catchers working to get better each and every week here right now if folks want to get some of that special personalized coaching and training from you how can they find more of that online well you can find me at uh, terrence edwards uh t-e-y receiver academy on all platform and i tell you this probably in my Seven years of doing this, we had a session last night with myself, Ron Ville, and a DB coach named TJ Heath. Okay. And we had some DBs in there last night. It was probably the best session that I've been a part of. It was it was controlled chaos and just getting these players ready to be able to move and think when it's chaos because football is, is controlled chaos. And we put them through some stuff last night that got them better. So last night, man, I enjoyed our session. So if you're looking to be a part of that controlled chaos, you can find all of us on all social media platforms um, and Terrence Phelps Wide Receiver Academy for me. So this gives me hope that there could actually be world peace one day because I'm actually surprised to hear you getting along well enough with defensive backs to kind of have them in the same place at the same time. I always thought of you as the kind of guy – who hated defensive backs. So uh, if you're able to kind of work and train alongside some defensive backs like that, then maybe maybe there's hope that any, you know, warring factions could one day kind of come together. You know, I have to bring DBs in there so we can cook them now. So we just can't always go routes on the air. We did releases, jam and release with them so we could cook them <laughs> off. So we got to bring them in there to – to show them what we've been working on. That's what we did last night, but we had a great session last night. Boy, that's great to hear, Terrence. Good stuff. I hope people will find you online for more of that, and we'll look forward to speaking to you back here on our show again uh, next week at the same time. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I set Terrence Edwards up for that one. He said, oh, we got to bring him there so we can cook him. That's uh, pretty good stuff. And Yeah, so the other day, I meant to put this in as part of the regular show, but uh, – uh, Terrence on Twitter saying, this is going to be the reason we continue to push for championships. He mentions Jordan Hall and Damon Wilson and Sam and Pemba and uh, Jamal Jarrett. Terrence, an offensive guy, wide receiver, but very much excited about the future of Georgia in that front seven on that defensive side of the ball. You know, being able to, as he says, get after the pass rush without having to bring that blitz pressure. Obviously, that's something that, I mean, in a lot of ways, it makes the national championship for Georgia this past season so amazing and so interesting. The fact that Georgia didn't have the relentless pass rush that could really call on any time it wanted to. I mean, I guess when it really needed to, it called on it just fine. So, so maybe it was uh, maybe I mean, maybe it was more of a situation about you know what Georgia was doing as opposed to what you know you know what it needed to do in a, in a given situation. But forty nine sacks in twenty twenty one a dominant defense in terms of getting after the quarterback. And the makeup of the 2022 defense by appearances was a little bit different. But in the future with guys like Wilson and Mpemba, part of the program, and those great defensive linemen potentially like Jarrett and Hall, wow, it could be a lot of fun to see what Georgia is. And Terrence Edwards was noticing that. So I'd love to hear that from him. We're going to go cruise around the SEC here. Before that, though, let's uh, talk about our friends at Royal Caribbean. And obviously – uh, we're going to be cruising with Royal Caribbean here very soon there as well. In fact, I think you still have a limited opportunity to kind of be a part of this. It's onboard Independence of the Seas, April 24th through the 28th. 
and we're going to be going out of Port Canaveral. And here's what I love. You know, where we live in the Atlanta area, I like convenience. You know, if I can just sort of drive to a cruise port and not have to fly because that always kind of adds one more variable that has to be kind of accounted for. Well, obviously, that's what I'm going to do. It's just convenient for me. And Port Canaveral super convenient for me because it's just right down the road from Orlando. It's very easy drive. And when you get to Port Canaveral, you're getting on board Independence of the Seas. The excitement of knowing we're going to be experiencing the wonderful uh, Nassau and the Bahamas, but Perfect Day Coco Cay, the thing that's exclusive for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. It's one of the things that's going to make our second ever cruise with Dog Nation so much fun. The fact that we have you know this opportunity, uh, and you've heard me talk about Perfect Day Coco Cay, and now many of you get a chance to experience that for the first time yourself, and I know how much you're going to be loving all of that, but also the other stuff that's kind of on board Independence of the Seas, whether it be the specialty restaurants, the great entertainment options, the Broadway-style shows, all of that is going to be available to you. And for those of you who are lucky enough to be on board with us here with Dog Nation, some special Dog Nation events exclusive for those on our Dog Nation cruise. So, man, it's going to be a great time. Jessica Slater can be a great resource for you in all this. Terrific travel agent, specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. You can give her a call. 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. She's also put a website together, royaldogs.com. That is royaldogs.com. And you can learn more about this. But also, I'll tell you that when you're booking your own Royal Caribbean Cruise vacation, you know, use a great travel agent to do that. It doesn't cost you any extra money to do that. And if you want the best experience in terms of picking the right stateroom or, you know, all the shore excursion things, there's some extra questions that, that come up when you're ready to make a Royal Caribbean Cruise uh, you know, vacation plan. A great travel agent helps navigate you through all of that. Doesn't cost you any extra. Jessica's a terrific one. Uh, I know that uh, you know my family. We love Jessica and love the work that she's doing for us on the cruise vacations that we have coming up. So uh, let her plan yours there as well. As I said, you can reach out to her seven seven zero seven one eight nine one four seven or royaldogs.com. All right, let's talk a little bit about the thing that kind of popped up a little bit Alabama obviously looking to replace both of its coordinators very interesting offseason in Tuscaloosa because of that and I think that there's this assumption because of Nick Saban's past that if you're looking offensive coordinator here you're looking at big name that's what Lane Kiffin was when Saban hired him part of the 2014 season that's what Steve Sarkeesian kind of was there as well it's this big name in some cases sort of resurrecting a career we've seen Nick Saban kind of be uh, famous for doing stuff like that so I think the assumption has been, well, who's the next guy to kind of follow in that uh, path? And there had been some sort of open speculation. It was never quite a report or anything like that, but just some open speculation that, well, maybe it's former Florida coach Dan Mullen, who's obviously uh, an offensive coordinator that helped lead Florida to a national championship many, many years ago now when Urban Meyer was head coach. But apparently this is not to be. Chris Lowe saying on Twitter this week in talking to several close to the situation, Dan Mullen is not a candidate to Alabama become Alabama's offensive coordinator. Mullen has enjoyed the time away from coaching to be with his family and also wants to concentrate on his football career as a football uh, – should concentrate on his TV career as a football analyst. And I think that Mullen has kind of made this pretty clear throughout that he's – you know, there have been several kind of published reports here about, you know, job openings, things like that. And Mullen has made it pretty clear that he's not looking to coach anytime soon. I think the uh, situation in Florida probably took quite a bit out of Dan Mullen, if you want to know the honest truth about all of that. And so I guess this is kind of a big name that you can sort of scratch off this list. And so you're left to conclude, well, you know, well, who else 
is there now then if you're not talking uh you know dan mullen i think the cliff kingsbury thing has always been pie in the sky type thinking uh kingsbury i think definitely doesn't want to coach anytime soon after being fired as the arizona cardinals coach and so i think what's likely to happen here is is that alabama fans are going to have to be a little bit comfortable with hiring a lot lower profile coach to be the next offensive coordinator than maybe you were hoping that it would be and that doesn't mean that it won't be a successful name. Obviously, it's Alabama. They have the ability to attract the best open and available candidates, but that best open and available candidate, it's just not going to be quite as famous maybe as what some Alabama fans were sort of hoping that it might be. So I think this sort of speaks to the nature of this offseason there in Tuscaloosa, where they are in a period of transition. They failed to win a national championship with Will Anderson on defense and Bryce Young on offense. And that's a pretty glaring, I guess, omission from from the resume here because this was not the way it was supposed to be. They were preseason number one team, and you know Nick Saban had made a big deal about how 2021 was a rebuilding year. We've laughed about that, and all of that was supposed to be pointing to what they were going to be able to do in 2022, and it just didn't happen. And that doesn't mean that Alabama can't be uh, a very good team here this year, and maybe the reboot, uh, the 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 you know, kind of the reconstruction of, of this roster and this coaching staff, maybe it's all quite successful. But it's not going to just be plug and play. It's not going to be as simple as saying, oh, we need an offensive coordinator. Let's go out and grab the most famous guy we can find. Apparently, it's not going to be quite so simple for Alabama here this offseason. Speaking to the fact that you know, the college football world just doesn't quite revolve around Tuscaloosa the way in which maybe some Alabama fans once thought that it did. This offseason doesn't appear that it's doing that way. Alabama needs uh, coordinators, offensive and defensive. And it's not obvious that on either side of the ball, there's some magic name that comes in and immediately makes things at a championship level just by arriving and his presence doing all of that. You don't get the sense it's going to be quite that easy of a fix here for Alabama here right now. Interesting reporting from Chris Lowe on that. Every now and then you have this happen this time of year where kind of moving into sort of a little bit of an off-season type situation and there'll be news that comes up we mean to get to it kind of don't get to it and so I'm always frustrated when that's the case this is a couple days old now and I just have failed to mention this but I do think it's kind of a big deal see where Jake Garcia who obviously was as a recruit pretty famous because he you know moved here to Georgia had the weird thing going on at Valdosta ended up going to uh, Grayson uh so you had all kinds of weirdness going on there with that some of that I believe was even documented by a uh, like a documentary type thing but you had the weird stuff. He ends up going to Miami, and like a lot of folks, sort of transferring out of Miami. Well, anyway, Garcia is really still, I think, you know, he's certainly a high-profile quarterback and a decent prospect overall. Is now going to Missouri, and what's interesting here is, is that you know, at different times, it seems like Missouri's had a little bit going on. I mean, obviously, they gave Georgia a pretty tough run for its money back in September. I think that was a pretty salty defensive time this year. You know, obviously, you know, Luther Burton's a pretty big talent offensively. But, man, they have really struggled at the quarterback spot. So uh, they just have not really gotten it done at that quarterback position. And, you know, the presence of a guy like Garcia as a relatively high-profile transfer, I don't know how good he is. Um, you know, I, I don't know there was a savior quarterback of any kind this year in the transfer portal. Teams looking for quarterback out of the portal, I'm not really quite so sure how any of them necessarily have done you know, there's no Caleb Williams seemingly out there in this year's transfer portal when it comes to quarterback position. But is Garcia better than what Missouri has had? Yeah, maybe so. And does it give Eli Drinkwitz a little bit more of a fighting chance in this upcoming season? 
I think maybe it it, it kind of does. This is this is a you know somewhat interesting development here to see Garcia on his way to Missouri. So we wanted to make sure we mentioned that. And then finally, there's this. I saw where Brian Kelly. Um, I guess he was overpaid by a million dollars last year, and you know part of me kind of wonders like. Well, how much of these guys that get paid all this money, whether it be coaches or in some cases professional athletes, things like that, how much are they looking at that sort of weekly pay stub anyway? And I guess it would be a pretty big disappointment to sort of see that money rolling in. And listen, I'd be totally – this is the kind of thing I'd be very easy to have you know, fall prey to because there's no way I'm doing the math in my head and be like, uh, they're, they're overpaying me. I'd never know. You, you could almost underpay me. I'm not even quite so sure I'd know. I just – you know, that's not the kind of uh, – sort of mathematical ability i sort of walk around tabulating my head of does my paycheck look right i just am sort of glad to get one uh but in this particular case it sounds like brian kelly may be giving some money back here sounds like he may have been overpaid by a million dollars and we will make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and as we get ready to wrap up today we can probably bring that down just a little bit but as, as we get ready to wrap up today we'll do so with some fun golden shoes here in fact, let's throw the first one up on the screen here for right now. So Bodog shared this. It's a tweet from somebody named uh, uh, Gator Boy. It says, I will remember this forever. It's Marco Wilson throwing the shoe. And so Bodog writes in and says, this is Merriweather Dog. Uh, this game and this play are the top 100 memories of my life. He says, I laughed so hard when this happened, and I enjoyed it for weeks. I love that Dog Nation Daily has a golden shoe award based on the Marco Wilson th- uh, uh, sh- uh, shoe throw. Well, Bo, I'm glad you enjoy that. We do enjoy doing that ourselves here around here. And yeah, you better believe we won't be forgetting that Mar- that Marco Wilson shoe toss anytime uh, soon. So I'm glad you enjoy all of that. In fact, we'll give you a golden shoe for that very reason. Uh, our next one here there as well. Uh, Bulldog Rob shared this with me. Uh, somebody, it, it's uh, it's Lied Dog Cha on Twitter saying, to the rest of the SEC and college football, get used to seeing this. And it's the 23 uh, Pete, the, as a lot of Georgia fans are saying, the, the, the 23 Pete here coming up. So Bulldog Rob shared that with me. Good-looking logo, by the way. And exciting to think about what the future might hold for the Georgia Bulldogs, as we talked about earlier in the show. We'll make that a golden shoe there as well for both the person that made the uh, graphic and Rob for sharing it with us. And then finally, one more golden shoe to give out here. Uh, kind of thinking about how um, it's Mike C. who writes in to say, hey, Brandon, can you imagine Larry Munson calling out the name Brock Bowers when he scores uh, during a game in his deep, gravelly voice? He says uh, it's almost like when you say uh, emphasize family like Brian Kelly once did, which is actually uh, really funny too. Yeah, I would imagine that uh, Brock Bowers is the kind of name that uh, that certainly Larry Munson would have had a lot of fun with. There's just something so forceful about that, right? First syllable, uh, one syllable first name, two syllable last name, alliterative Brock Bowers. It just sounds very strong there. I'm sure Larry Munson would have done great with that. And we'll give a golden shoe out for that there as well. By the way, speaking of those lousy, stinking gators, they're not relevant at all in college football here right now. And 275 days from now, uh, this moment in which I am speaking, they've got more bad news coming. Another beatdown at the hands of the two-time national champion Georgia Bulldogs on their way to go for three by that point in time. What a time to be a dog. What a lousy time to be a lousy, stinking gator. And we will see all of you back here tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Barb. And on video, time now for the R.S. Andrews Cooldown. R.S. Andrews, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. You can trust all of them on all of that and hope that you are all doing great today. I'm going to pop over here and do some YouTube comments first and let folks just sort of take it where they want to go and 